0: This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 401, the weekend edition.
1: People are always going to go to their stack of contacts first. They're going to go to people that they know, like, and trust. It's more important to be trusted than it is liked, but obviously you want to do both. And if you're just only there when there's an opportunity, you're not going to build the relationships that big investors or big people in any field are going to want
2: to deal with. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.
0: What is going on, everyone? It's Brennan Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David Green. What's up, David? Something feel weird today? What's
2: you know, saying? it feels like there's excitement in the air. Maybe a there little bit is. of newness, freshness, mm. never-ending possibility, an entire road ahead of us that's never been traveled.
0: That's right. I wore a new shirt today. It is my dark blue
2: shirt, not my light one. You know what that? <laughs> Okay. Is that what it is? That's or is there something is. more? All
0: right. <laughs> uh, so today you might notice that this show is coming out on a different day than usual. Uh, for the last eight years in a row, we have launched a show every single Thursday without missing one Thursday. And we still plan to launch a show, uh, release one every Thursday without missing one in for the future for the next hundred years. That said we are going to be adding something a little bit different here. Uh, we're gonna add a second episode of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast every week. That's right, more of the things you already love, real estate content, uh, but a little bit of a twist to that. We're gonna be releasing them, releasing them every Sunday. Uh, that's why this is coming out on Sunday. And the point of this new show or this new like twist on our show is to really talk about the mind game behind real estate investing success. Now, let me l- explain what I mean by that. So David, David, I mean, David, you and I talk about this all the time, right? Like the tactics, like how to buy a duplex, how to buy an apartment, how to syndicate, how to house hack, those can all be found like anywhere, right? Like you can read a book and you can find that Mm -hmm. stuff and it's awesome and we love it, but there's more to success than just the how to. Can you explain what I mean by that?
2: Yes, this is such a big thing. See, Brandon and I brainstorm and we often talk about how do we get the knowledge that we have in our heads into the listeners' heads? How do we take what we know and get it into the minds of you that are listening so that you can replicate the same success that we've enjoyed that real estate has brought into our lives? And what we found is that it's more than just the blueprint, okay? If the blueprint is in my computer and I got to get it into yours, we have to figure out some way to file share, And that file sharing system is often your mindset, the way you look at the world, the way you process information. And frankly, sometimes getting out of your own way, the hangups that we all have in our own selves that keep us from being successful. So the more that we talked about this, the more we realized it's not just telling people what to do. It's also sharing with them how they can sort of affect the way, the soil in their own mind that allows the seeds that we're planting to get in there. And that's what the show is all about. We want to talk to people that are successful, that can share the path that they walked, how they overcame obstacles that you can take and apply to your own life so that you can start sharing in some of the fruits that we all love. It's the mindset battle that is half the battle, not just the information.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Uh, what do you know, David? With the analogy, I love it. <laughs> it's uh, basically like yeah, we're bringing on top performers to talk about what they're really good at. So, for example, today's uh, guest is a guy I've looked up to for a long time. His name is Jordan. Uh, he is just fantastic. You're gonna love him. Uh, before I intro him, basically, there's guys like Jordan. There's like other like maybe political leaders, maybe uh, leaders in other industries, uh, scientists, keynote speakers, whatever like just like people who are top performers in their field. And we want to bring and apply that knowledge to our audience, to our real estate investors out there that are trying to grow wealth and financial freedom through real estate. We're going to apply that knowledge uh, here on the weekend edition of the show. So I'm, I'm super excited about this. Again, how is this different from other shows that are out there doing like, you know, success type shows is like, we are trying to take this and draw a direct connection, a direct line to real estate investing. Because again, it's not just about, here's how to buy a duplex. It's why didn't you wake up early? Why did not you say what you're going to do? Why didn't you go and talk to that person? What was what was guiding that? What's the mindset and the actions needed for success in anything? And then we're going to apply it to real estate. So that is today's show, kind of an introduction to what we're doing here. We won't normally give that long of an intro, but I wanted you guys to realize what we're doing differently. Uh, so specifically, let's talk about today's show. We got a guy i follow followed for years, super, super smart entrepreneur, uh, business owner. Again, not specifically a real estate investor, but this is definitely, definitely going to help your real estate investing because today we're talking about connecting with people, networking, getting likable, like having people like you. Because as we always say on this show, like people like to sell to people they like. People like to uh, buy from people they like. People like to work with people they like. So becoming likable and doing that in a systematized way uh, is what Jordan Harbinger, our guest today, is going to talk exactly uh, about. And he is like the guy when it comes to that conversation. So basically how to uh, dig our wells before we're thirsty. To use his analogy, that's what we're going to be learning how to do today. So before we get to our conversation with Jordan Harbinger, though, let's get to today's quick tip. All right, David, I developed a brand new acronym. You ready for this? Yes. Okay. All right. So it's in the new book, the multifamily book that's coming out next spring, but I put it in there and I really like this. It's the on-fire agent. So in other words, an agent who is organized, networked, focused, like networked, like they know a lot of people, focused on you, investment savvy, responsive, and experienced. And I would actually consider you like the ideal, like the perfect example of an on-fire agent. I think you are all those things. Uh, And so that's what we wanna recommend people work with is go work with an on-fire agent. So how do you find such an agent? Well, how do you find a drunk? You go to the bar. How do you find a, <laughs> a, a uh, sports enthusiast? I don't know, you go to the ball field. So how do you find such an agent? They're probably hanging out on a real estate investing website like BiggerPockets, right? So go to biggerpockets.com slash agent where you can search and store from over 10,000 real estate agents who actively participate on BiggerPockets. Find somebody who is on fire so they can help you get on fire yourself. You like that?
2: I love it. And I'll even add on to your quick tip. We'll have a quick tip extension here. I am that agent Brandon's talking about. I've worked very hard to become that. It's going really well. And I'm in that same place he's talking about. I spend a lot of time on Bigger Pockets, networking with other investors, talking to people who have wealth building goals through real estate, and offering my services to those people should they want it. If I'm there, you should be there too. I'm yeah. the person who ha- is basically bought a bunch of properties and I'm trying to help other people. If that's something you're interested in, leverage bigger pockets to help you achieve your goals better.
0: Yeah, so good. So good, man. Well, thank you, uh, David, for you know doing this show with me as always and now doubling up twice a week. We're gonna be spending a lot more time together. I
2: love it. Yeah. So on the real estate podcast, we teach you guys, you got to go network. That's how you're going to find deals. This podcast is going to teach you how to be good at networking. And so that's really the one-two punch, right? One of them is what to do. The other is how to be good at doing it.
0: Yeah. There you go. Great way to put that. All right, David, let's get into today's show. You guys grab a pencil and paper out. You are definitely going to want to be taking some notes on this show. If you're driving, please don't do that.
3: Listen, it's not coffee or donuts, it's not campfires or s'mores, not peanut butter or jelly. Great things happen when two good things come together. So why choose between cash flow or appreciation? Rent-to-Retirement's new construction homes give you both. Rent-to-Retirement offers newly built homes that attract the best tenants with fewer repairs and outstanding rental markets. That means more monthly cash flow for you and plenty of equity growth in the background. Plus, their creative financing options let you buy investment properties with just 5% down. Not 20%, not 10%, 5% down. Rent-to-Retirement offers turnkey new construction homes already built, leased, and managed for you. Their investing experts find the best markets that consistently offer double-digit returns and prices as low as $150,000. And they've got more five-star reviews than any company on bigger pockets. You invest, Rent-to-Retirement does the rest. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777.
4: Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I dot com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted.
0: And now let's get into the interview with Jordan Harbinger. Jordan, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. Good to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, so let's let's dive into your story because yours is a little bit different than maybe most of our guests, which we do a lot of the real estate, you know, how to buy a duplex and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we brought you on for a little bit different reason today uh, because when it comes to networking, relationships, all that, like you are like the guy. Like if I think of like the guy, you're the guy. And so we wanted to bring on the guy. <laughs> Tell us about your background. I mean, have you like, have you always been like the networking kind of like go relationship? You know everybody no. kind of guy?
1: Not at all, so I was a shy kid growing up, surprise, surprise, middle school, high school were like a living hell, and mm-hmm. i I thought like, "Okay, this is terrible. I don't know how anyone lives like this. This is just awful, and as I got older, I realized that a lot of the most successful people I knew were, they had a lot of friends. That's what it looked like. And they they always knew who who to call. And my parents were kind of quiet people. They were hard workers, but they were more more or less introverts. My dad's probably not that bad, but he was always at work. My mom's really quiet. So I realized like, oh, some of my friend's parents, they have such cool opportunities. And it's because they're kind of outgoing and they know everyone. And I, I can never be like that. And when I started working on Wall Street as an attorney, I was actually doing real estate, so this is uh, there's our nice nexus like, for, yeah. uh, for bigger pockets. I've realized, like, all right, I'm not the same kid I was in high school where I can show up to a geometry test and just do okay and go on with my life, even though I didn't study, because I'm naturally so smart. Like, once I got to college and law school, I was like, uh-oh, everyone's smarter than me. You know, now I recognize that as largely imposter syndrome, but it doesn't really matter. You know, I still had to outwork everyone. So I got my work ethic going in college and law school, and that allowed me to outwork everybody there because they were like, oh, let's go drinking in the afternoon. We're all geniuses by kind of by uh handed down from our parents. And I was like, I, if I'm going to float here or succeed, I need to work my butt off. So I'd work like 10, 16 hour days, whatever. Then I got to wall street. Everyone's working 16 hour days. Everyone is really smart. And I'm like, I'm going to get fired. You know, I am done. I am so in trouble. And one of the partners that was the get, one of the guys who hired me, he was never in the office. And I thought, okay, he probably works from home. I need to figure out how I can work from home because then if I work from home, I won't get fired as quickly as if I worked in the office and everyone was like, this guy, why'd we hire this guy? But if I work from home, it'll take them longer to figure out I don't belong here. At which point maybe I'll have figured out how to be useful to this firm. So I started asking that lawyer, like, how do you work from home? You know, how come you're never in the office and all this stuff. And and instead of telling me about how he worked from home and his home office, he was like, no, no, no. I mean, yes, I do that, but I usually generate business for the firm. And I thought, well, how do you do that? And his advice was not that useful. He was like, "Just be cool and get to know as many people as possible." And I was like, "Just be cool." Uh, yeah, I'll get right on that, buddy. Right after I get get taller, uh, you know, and be more confident. You know, it's that non actionable, fake advice. And what I realized he meant was, he goes and does jujitsu. He goes on charity cruises and goes to dinner galas and he goes cycling and he goes jogging on the West side highway with potential clients. And I was like, it's not just be cool. He has a ton of friends and his value outside the law firm was actually more, it, it was, he, he was more valuable outside the law firm than he was inside billing hours. And he didn't worry about his billable hourly bonus or anything because he was just generating business. And if you take 5% of a million dollar law deal, a contract from an investment banking firm you get more money than you do if you bill 2000 hours a year which means working you know 4000 hours a year at a law firm so he had sort of figured out this this hack and i was like i need to do that if i'm going to make partner and i started learning about that and taking classes on that and i just um i found that all the classes were kind of garbage they were like look him in the eye and have a firm handshake and i was like okay But if I'm not getting a million dollar law deal or a better job, is it because I didn't have a firm handshake and didn't look him in the eye? Like, is that 1% of it or is that 99% of it? It's, it's clearly just 1% of it. And I realized also like taking these classes, I'm not going to learn how to generate business for my wall street firm or like get real estate deals. For example, for your audience, like I'm not going to learn that from a guy with a sweater vest teaching classes at the YMCA on Tuesdays. Like that guy doesn't know this stuff. He, He doesn't get it either. That's why he's here. So, I had to kind of go back to first principles, and I was like, "What makes people likable what how come some people are known more than others? How come some people are popular and trusted? What's the trick? And it turns out there's not many tricks. It's all like very basic principles that are difficult because they require consistency. so that's what yeah. i that's what I try to decode
0: that's awesome well, let me let me bring this into real estate for our, for our listeners again to, yeah. to kind of reinforce why we want to do this so one of the best ways to find deals today is to go, we call off market, right? It means like they're not listed with a real estate agent. You just get Uncle Jeb or whatever his name is. He owns this house. So he wants to sell it. You contact him, whether it's through driving for dollars, we call it, or direct marketing, whatever. And eventually you get on the phone with this person or eventually you get at their kitchen table and you're walking through their property or whatever. Like what I found to be so true in almost every area of business is people like to do business with people they like people like to sell to people they like like if somebody if two people offered me money for one of my properties and i liked one of them more, I'd probably sell to that person, even if they offered me less money, which mm-hmm. is re- like to a degree, right? Like likability is so important in every aspect of real estate is how do you get a seller to like you? How do you get a potential mentor to, to actually want to take you under their wing and help you get to the next level? How do you get a, a person to finance your next deal? I mean, how many people like I got an email yesterday, some guy like this email literally said the guy wanted me to put in $10 million into his deal. I'd never met the guy before. Cold email wanted me to put in $10 million. and he was completely serious. <laughs> and I'm like, like I just delete the email, right? Like there's just zero chance. So this is why this show is so important today, because we're not about how to get you, how to get people to like you, and you obviously got a lot of those, uh, like you said, not really tricks, but uh, techniques, um, right, that you've learned. So yeah, yeah and principles, and
1: yeah. and it's it's funny because I will I will go and train real estate investors all the time. Like I train military special forces, intelligence agents, and then there's also real estate people, and I'm like, that's so weird that I have this strange like satellite niche, like sub niche. Yeah. And it's because of what you said. They're always saying, "Hey, the the best deals are not listed in some computer says. They're not on Craigslist. You know, they're not on these websites generally. They're people are always going to go to their stack of contacts. First, they're going to go to people that they know like and trust. And it's more important to be trusted than it is liked, but obviously you want to do both. Yeah. And if you're just only there when there's an opportunity, you're not going to build the relationships that big investors or big p- people in any field are going to want to deal with. It's sort of the cliche, like guys playing golf and going, how about the Henderson account? Yeah, yeah, we should get on that uh, right after I school you and the you know whole number 17. There's a little bit of truth, to, a lot of truth to that, honestly. And it doesn't have to be an old boys network. It can be anything that you want it to be, but you have to build it yourself. And it seems like there's certain people that are just, this goes apropos our conversation that we just had offline, but it seems like there's certain people that are born into better circumstances and they totally are, you know, I've got a buddy who like his family owns an Island speaking of real estate off of the coast of Maine. And I thought there can't be that many of those. You guys must be doing pretty well. If you own an Island in America, wow. You know, with one or two big houses on it that they own, that's incredible. And I thought I'm never going to be as well connected as my friend. His name's Tim. But then as years went by, I realized I know a lot more people than Tim does. You know, he was born, he's not a lazy guy, he's a hard worker, he works at a big tech company, he's a really smart, likable guy. But he didn't think, I better be building these connections, he just sort of did what everybody else does, which is sort of coast through. This is a tortoise in the hare situation where if you know what you're doing and you have your foot on the gas over the next five or 10 years, you can know anyone who's anyone in your niche or industry. You can have deals coming at you at an unstoppable clip. And you do that because you've been consistent about literally spending like five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day on relationship development and systemizing it. And that will be the difference between somebody who's like, making a couple thousand dollars a year a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or millions of dollars a year because those people are getting access to different deals it's just like investing in tech all these big vcs they the reason they spend money on advertising branding they're on podcasts talking about stuff giving talks they don't have to do that what they have hundreds of millions of dollars why is mark Andreessen on podcast why why is ben horowitz on podcast because the founders go, Oh man, I would love to be associated with this guy, see and hear on all these different shows. And I gave a talk at Stanford. They're, they're the best. So the best deals go to them first. It's a branding play. And that's what you're doing when you're networking. You're essentially creating a really strong personal brand where everyone's like, Well, I want to be, I want to be in on the ground floor of. Brandon Turner, you know that's where I want to be. I want to be on the ground floor of bigger pockets. Deal with those guys. I don't want to just like float out there. That's dangerous because you provide familiarity and certainty. So there's there's a huge advantage to this. And um, a lot of people go, oh, it's all about who you know, but they put a little stank on the end of it. Mm-hmm. If it's an unfair advantage, make it your advantage. Don't just whine and complain about how other people have this advantage. You can build this. It takes a lot of work and it's done consistently over time, but make any unfair advantage that you can your unfair in air quotes advantage because your alternative is what whining about how opportunities don't fall in your lap. I mean, that just sounds exhausting, boring and, and a little depressing
0: that makes sense. Hey, I want to go back a second to a phrase you said that I think a lot of people might sound weird. Uh-huh. You said systematize relationship building. Yes. Like, like that sounds like, a, like most people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, relationships are, are organic. Authentic. They're natural. Yeah. Authentic. Right. Yeah. I yes. don't want to be like, what does that mean to systematize relationship building? Yeah, that's a good question. So people think authenticity
1: and systems aren't compatible and that's really not true. It, If you're systemizing, there's a difference between being a robot and being in, so being inauthentic and systemizing something. So if you wake up every morning and you, you're a runner and sometimes you don't want to run but you decide, I'm going to put on my running shoes and my running pants. And then if I still go outside and if I still don't want to run, I can turn around and go back into bed. That's a system. Yeah. If you use an alarm to wake up, that's a system. Nobody goes, but I should just wake up authentically, right? I mean, <laughs> it is better for you to wake up naturally, but some people need an alarm because they're, you know, they need to get up for work if they have a day job, that kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with this. Usually the systems are scaffolding that goes around a habit. So, I have systems, but it's not because I want to send automated emails to everybody saying, Hi, friend, what is new with you? For me, I on this date did this thing and like some algorithm is in automation is plugging all that in. No. My systems are like, did you contact somebody that you haven't spoken to in at least six months? And if the answer is no, because it and it always is, because it's like eight in the morning when that pops up in my calendar. I go in my phone, I scroll all the way to the bottom of my list of texts, and at the bottom of that list of texts, that's where you have people that are like, you had lunch with them once at a conference three years ago and you never followed up, and you're like, oh yeah, I should re-engage that people. So I call it Connect Four because I do it four times a day, and I'm re-engaging four people who are weak and dormant ties in my network. Mm-hmm. yes, I also reach out to friends. I reach out to, I mean, I reach out to, I think the reason this happened is I reached out to you guys and I was like, oh yeah, what's up with those bigger pockets guys? Cause I probably saw your show somewhere or an ad somewhere. And I was just like, instead of going, oh, there's an ad for that show with those guys. I know I was like, all right, there's an ad, the habit that goes, that's the scaffolding is around us. It goes, okay, I see that. I'm going to pick up my phone and send an email right now. Most people never use those cues. So instead we use systems where it's in my calendar and it says, reach out to somebody who you haven't spoken to in this long, or I have a CRM and your audience probably knows a lot about CRMs because it's a real estate primarily, largely a real estate thing, like contactually and stuff like that. That'll pop up and say, here's somebody you haven't talked to in 90 days, 120 days, whatever it is. Those are systems, but nobody who's in sales goes, oh, I don't want to use systems. It's inauthentic salespeople. (laughs) They survive on systems, you know, fire extinguishers and fire alarm systems. Those are literally systems by name. Nobody goes, yeah, but, you know, I want people to yell fire authentically. No, you have systems to remind you to do things automatically for you. You step in and you make the communication authentic.
0: So you don't automate that last mile, but you should still have the system in place. You know, one example of of a, a I I've, I've had people give me flack for this, but I have a system set up to take my wife out on dates. Like I actually track the number of dates my wife sure. and I go out. And people say that's they they've teased me about that being inauthentic or like it's very robot like. I'm like, "No, I just I I'll it'll go 3 months and I'll be like, "I mean, how many people listening right now has been 3 months since you've been on a date with your spouse?" Because it just happens, we yeah. life gets in the way. So when I have like this reminder, oh yeah, here's where I am on the year. I wanted to hit 25 this year. Where am I at? I'm at 18. I'm at 12. Whatever. Then I it's a it's a system, but it then forces me to actually carry out the act. Which the act is what matters. It's going on a date with my wife that matters. So I don't care if I have to remind myself to do that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, it's who cares if it's not perfectly off the top of my head random.
1: I agree. You know what? I think a lot of people who think, "Oh, this is inauthentic." Okay, great. Are do you have as good or better results than me with these types of interactions? Because if so, then that's great. I want to learn from you how to do that. But the people that I've, here's what I found. This is one of those imaginary problems where people go, ooh, I want it to be authentic. And I go, great, how often do you re-engage someone new? Is it 20 times a week, five times a week, 100 times a week? And they're like, oh, I kind of do a lot of this naturally. That's a common excuse I hear from people when I teach this. And I go, great, let's break down how you do it naturally and you know what we find <laughs> one time four weeks ago they sent a text to somebody they haven't talked to in a long time because one of their friends mentioned that person was like sick that's it yep. and i'm yep. thinking so i do more interaction and, and re-engaging in one day than you do in uh, two three months who's getting better results mr i do this naturally or <laughs> Oh yo oh, man you don 't have a system because you 're more authentic great you are you are five percent more authentic with one person every ninety days than I am with a hundred people a month or more, two hundred people a month, a hundred people a week. Tell me who's going to get better results. Nobody has ever gone, Jordan, I like talking with you, but this seems really unauthentic. I've never gotten negative feedback. Usually what happens is people go, you're the only person who's keeps in touch with me regularly. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I go, I'm using this system that I teach. It's free. You should do it. It's really not hard. <laughs> L-
0: yeah. Last night. I was hanging out with Josh Dorkin for a few minutes, right? So, you, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we both know Josh yeah. well. And Josh is like, oh, I told him I was recording with you. And he's like, oh, I, I love Jordan. That guy's awesome. Yeah, he hits me up like every few months. We just like yeah. chat for a few minutes or we get a text. And I was like, he's like, he's like, he's one of the few people that just keeps in touch with me. That's what he said. Yeah, and like, he, this is perfectly applies to what you're saying.
1: Right. He didn't go, oh, but it's just so inauthentic yeah. because I know it's in a CRM. And yep. he's such a jerk for having a reminder. Yeah. He knows that <laughs> I use that, yep. but it doesn't matter. Doesn't care. Like, it doesn't matter. Why, I don't even think of my own parents more often as often as I probably should, right? I have a tiny baby. I'm thinking about him and my wife. My wife goes, we should call your parents. Like, every weekend I go, oh, yeah. Maybe I'm a selfish prick. That's, there's an argument for that, but... <laughs> if if that's the case for you then you need these systems really bad if you're the type of person who naturally reaches out to four or five friends per day i would challenge i would assert you still need these systems to reach out to people that are not that close to you you need to be reaching out to people you know to develop deal flow and things like that that stuff is so important and i just don't know anybody who's who's immune to this you know when i teach this to like Secret Service Central Intelligence Agency, MI6, on the rare occasions that I get to go teach this, they don't go, look, man, we're international clandestine service operators. We don't need this. They go, okay, our lives depend on this. I'm writing down everything that you are saying because it's important. I find it ironic that people who could die if they do this wrong are taking furious, copious notes, and somebody who's whining about how their business isn't where they want it to be is like, ugh, but it's just inauthentic, and it's so much work, and like I have to set reminders in my calendar. I'm just like, okay, but people who literally have been trained by the U.S. government and spent millions of dollars training each of these guys, they're writing this down and paying attention. Why aren't you? So the authenticity thing— If you're thinking about it and you go, ooh, I don't want to be inauthentic, don't worry, you won't, because you're not going to automate the last step, which is the actual written communication. But for everyone else, if you're saying that it's inauthentic, I would examine, is that an excuse because you don't really want to do this because you feel like you're shy or you don't want to put the systems in place or you feel awkward doing it? Because if that's the case, then that's even more reason why you should definitely do this. If you feel like, oh, it's awkward to reach out to people, that type of limiting mindset is going to screw you long term. You will not be successful if you have that kind of mindset. You just won't.
0: Yeah. That's so good. You know what? One common trait I see among every, like the top real estate investors. I mean, the guys that I know that are buying 10, 15, 20 houses a a month, uh, the guy, I mean like even my own open door capital team, like not myself included in there, but like the guys that are running my acquisitions, like his name's Walker and there's Ryan, like these guys are like so good at that CRM systemized follow-up with Mm -hmm. potential clients with I mean, we have a, we have a, a set, we call this list of brokers every single month. And I know the best agents, the real estate agents that a lot of agents listen to our show as well, like that's probably the number one different differential between a good agent who makes a ton of money mm-hmm. and everybody else is their use of the follow-up. And David, I know David's one of the best invest, uh, agents that I, well, and investors, but agents that I know. So David, I'm wondering if I can throw it to you real quick. Like, how do you see this in your life and other like, like top agents, how they use this whole system of follow-up?
2: Well, the first thing I learned when I got into real estate sales was that I knew more about real estate than every other agent that was already in my office. Mm-hmm. Day one, I, as an investor, I knew way more about it and they were crushing me. And I had this idea that the guy who is the smartest, the, the best attorney who knows the law better than everyone will make the most money. That's how most of us, I think, re- think. And Jordan realized the same thing as me. Mm-hmm the guys that are like idiots are out there riding their bike and posting these pictures that people want to see and they're getting all of the leads and they're making way more money than the little like genius that knows the law inside and out and is just furiously scribbling away for 14 hours a day on his on his typewriter knowing the law so i had this paradigm shift that i had to accept in my law enforcement career your gregarious, charismatic ability was worthless to you. It just, it did not matter. Rarely ever would it help. It might help if you were talking somebody in in a bad situation, you could calm them down. But most of us could step it up when we had to in that moment. Overall, the really friendly, popular cops were not the people that everyone respected. So you didn't get special assignments that didn't help. In this sales world, totally different. It was a skill that I had to develop if I wanted to be the best. And I was probably the least likely person to do this. I tell people, me having to learn to be personable was like a bodybuilder having to go take yoga and Pilates classes. Mm -hmm. I was so rigid. It was terrible for me. And it took about four years to get to the point I'm at now. But now what I've learned is the agents that are making all the money are not the smartest. They are just the most liked. They know everyone. And everyone says, I want to work with Mary because Mary is so friendly and nice and fun that people feel comfortable going to her or they subconsciously want to get her approval. So they bring their deals to that person. And I've been working on doing that. And in that process, I learned an incredibly valuable thing that Jordan just said, and I want the audience to make sure they don't miss The people who catch the fish, who get the lead, will always be inherently more valuable than the person they hire to clean that fish. But most of us have only had jobs that we clean fish that somebody else caught. It is all we know. It's all we know how to think. We can't get out of that mindset. And I hear people all the time say, why am I only getting half the commission if I'm doing all the work? And it just reveals you're not doing all the work. You're doing the easiest part of the work. You're having someone, you're a house cat and someone's handing tuna to you and you just have to eat it. You're not hunting. You're not putting a marketing plan together. You're not like Jordan said, systematically going out and building relationships to make somebody come to you. That's the fish catcher. That's the highest skill role. And almost every job we've had was working for a company where somebody else was catching fish. Okay. Your first job was hot dog on a stick. You didn't have to go find clients. You Mm -hmm. worked at a restaurant. Someone brought them in the front door and then a hostess literally walked them to your table and sat them down (laughs) and said, sit here and order something. All you have to do is say, what do you want? They've already decided that they want it. And when I grasped that the one who controls the lead, I think in Brendan, we just did an episode with someone where they said, every job you have, is you doing something somebody else didn't want to do anymore. That's all all that a job is. When you grasp that, it changes everything. When you get the deals, you can hire the rehab person, hire the property manager, hire a person to even analyze that deal for you. But getting the lead is the most valuable thing you can do to build wealth. Jordan, I thought you are ready to jump in.
1: Yeah. I I was just going to say this. this That's a perfect example of why you have to dig the well before you get thirsty to coin that old sort of mm-hmm. self-help trope or whatever. It's, it's very apt because people will say, Oh, well, you know, he just has, he just has a great network and brought this person in. And I'm like, Oh, Okay, great. And they're like, no, no, no. I was trying to belittle his contribution. You know, like that's what they're trying to. And it's like, no, no, no. Come on. You have to dig the well before you get thirsty. If you are not able to generate leads, then you can't complain when you don't get work or you don't get a deal or something like that. Like the people who bring in this guy, Dave, who hired me at that law firm, when our law firm hit the 08 crash and we were over leveraged in mortgage backed securities and things like that, he just left the firm, took all of his book of business and went to another firm as a partner. Everyone else, quote unquote, retired, which means lost their job because they were like workhorses. And when the market contracts and you don't need that many workhorses, you just take the people who are generating business. So you're if you're focused on just your work product to the at the expense of your network and lead gen, you will run out when times are tough. But right now, if there if there's a market contraction, people who are getting deals, their network is getting them even more deals because all these other players are knocked out of the game. Yep. So if you're well-connected, the network does the work itself, right? Because other people are out there generating leads or generating network connections, and you're a, a hub in that sort of hub-and-spoke web or, or hub-and-spoke network. So you have to worry about this. Like you have to do this. And, and to your point about like charisma and charm, a lot of people are like, crap, I'm not charismatic. I'm not outgoing. What do I do? You don't have to worry about that. It's not a matter of like, this person is so funny. If you have that great leverage it, use it. But if you just reach out to tons of people, keep in touch with tons of people and you help them get what they want. So instead of ABC, always be closing, it's ABG, always be giving or always be generous. If I'm like, you know, I can't help David with his new website, but I know a web designer and I know a graphics person and I know a conversion optimization person. And I know somebody who can run that email back. End. why don't I introduce all of them to David? Now, David's like, wow, yeah, Jordan really hooked me up. No, no, no. I made you four or five email intros. I didn't spend 50 hours working on your stuff, but I have the same level of recipe. There's the same level of reciprocity, that same feeling that like I owe Jordan one as would happen if, as if I built the whole damn site myself, because I used my network as a value add to give you something. So I, not only are you grateful, but the web guys, he's grateful, the conversion experts grateful. So now I'm building this social capital and these people are like, Hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. You've got tons of social capital and and referral currency that you're building through making email introductions. It's really, it's scalable.
0: This is so important social capital. I love that phrase um, where a lot of people get this wrong idea of networking like, hey, man, I'll introduce you to a graphic designer. I know, but I'm going to need this from you. I want to come on your Mm. podcast. I want to have a a lunch with you. Hey, I'll trade you this thing. Uh, How is that the wrong? Like, why do we look at that as like maybe the wrong approach when the social capital? Like, what's the difference there? Yeah. So
1: there's transactional networking, which is bad. So. I wanted to do like let's say I wanted to I'm trying to think of something that's obviously transactional let's say I said hey do you know this such and such guest who wrote this book and you're like yeah I do he was on bigger pockets and I'm like would you mind making an intro you know I would since since you and I know each other I would be shocked if you were like well I'll do that but only if you introduce me to mark cuban and i'm like yep. oh, uh, i mean i might even say okay but it would make me feel weird because it was entirely contingent upon me being able to do something for you so i would realize that oh okay you only want to do something for me if i can do something for you immediately which means here's the signal that you don't want and, and most people are like so what it's an even value exchange and i i to an a, to it to a degree i agree with that okay but the problem is that that says to me that if I ever don't have anything to offer you and like, maybe I'm screwed. Maybe I got crushed and a bunch of my units burnt down and I I don't have my funding that if I reach out to you for help, when I need it, when I need it, need it, you're going to be like, what have you done for me lately? And I cannot count on you. So that is why people
2: feel that's inauthentic. That's the inauthentic part, not using the CRM to make the call.
1: Right. It's not the systems. It's not the scaffolding. It's the, in the reminder, it's the transactional nature that people find inauthentic. And I agree with that. Like if you reached out to me and said, Hey, Jordan, bigger pockets is having a huge problem with the podcast and only your expertise can solve it. And I'm like, great. $10,000 an hour. You might be like, here's your 10 grand, you POS, right? You would reluctantly do it because you need me. But then what, when I ask you for something, you're going to be like, now's our chance to get that 10 grand back that we paid Jordan for this simple task that he only he could do for us. What a jerk. You want your, your interactions to be building goodwill and re- referral currency, social capital, if you will, not turning into some sort of short term gain for you. And when I started the Jordan Harbinger show, when I was like, Oh my gosh, I started my business over, you know, I had another big podcast. I had a separation from my business partners. I made a list of like a hundred or 200 people. And I reached out to them all, but a couple, and I mean like two or three just said, yeah, I'm going to mail this out to my audience. Oh, you should come on my show. Let me help you get this set up. A couple people were like, "Uh, I don't know. I really only want big names on my show. And you're not a big name anymore because you you had to start over. And now they're like, Hey, Jordan, what's up, man? See you back at the top. And I'm like, F you like go fly a kite because they weren't there unless they, they thought, Oh, Jordan can't do anything for me anymore. Cause he got, he had a, he hit the wall. I don't even need to pretend to be friends with that guy anymore. Nobody wants those people in their network. And fundamentally, there is no difference between networking and making or meeting friends. And that's the mindset you need to change the image you have of networking, which originally for me and a lot of other people, networking is a dirty word because of people that are like, transactional or throwing business cards in your face and you do have to dig that well before you get thirsty you should be helping other people without trying to get anything in return now or even worried about getting anything later because if you start to go what's in it for me should i answer david's call should i answer brandon's call oh wait what can they do for me what if i don't find anything right away because uh, i'm not in real estate i don't need to talk to those guys then later on i go hey what's up guys i have a real estate question That's awkward because it's inauthentic because I treated you poorly. I wasn't treating you like a friend or a connection. I was treating you like somebody who couldn't do anything for me, so I didn't have the time for you. Now I need something. That's inauthentic. You should not be doing that. What you should be doing, if you ABG, you're helping other people without the attachment to getting anything in return you start to find opportunities over the horizon. You know, I might help you with something and then you go, hey, Jordan, I don't know if this is of use to you, but our friend just founded this software and it's helping us do this. Would you want to check it out and the beta out? I might get that opportunity Or, or there might be something in the future. If you just look at what's in it for you, Not only is it going to be very difficult to have authentic reactions, it's actually going to be harder to have any interactions, because let's put it in a party context. Say I walk into a room, all you guys are in a party, uh, and I'm like... I need a graphic designer for my website. So I come up, I'm like, hey, Brandon, what's going on? Yeah, uh, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Cool. Do you know any graphic designers for a website? No, not offhand. Now I'm looking over your shoulder, trying to find another person in the party to go talk to, because ha- you don't have what I want, right? So I'm just looking around. You go, oh, that's a w- this is a weird conversation. Jordan's not really present. He's not really paying attention. I excuse myself to go to the bathroom, but I walk straight over to David. We chat for a few minutes superficially about whatever he's doing. I'm like, do you know any graphic designers? No? Cool. All right. Uh, I, I got to go. Bye. You know, I'm leaving a bad impression. I'm not generating any social capital. It's, it's just bad. It's transactional. On the other hand, the, and, and that's what's in it for me. That's what I'm looking at. What's in it for me. If I'm not looking at what's in it for me and I'm looking at what's in it for other people that are already in my network that I know, I might say, what do you do? I don't have to worry about what's in it for me right now. You might say, well, I'm a real estate investor. I'm always looking for, you know, deals and stuff. And I go. What kind of deals you tell me? And I go, you know, I know a couple people that are actually selling Silicon Valley property. Do you, is that a thing? Well, yeah, I'd love to have my agents or my deal finding people, whatever. Talk to those folks. Uh, why not? Now I make that intro. I found something for someone else in my network. So there's referral currency for them. You're stoked because I'm, I've got referral currency for you. Now we've just helped each other. Except all I did was send like two emails or one email and I haven't even done it yet. And then if I ever need anything three years from then, if I reach out to you, you're going to be like, yeah, Jordan, help me out with this other thing. You have so many more options if you're not just looking at the one or two things you need. You're looking at the 10,000 things that other people in your network might need. That means anyone can help you because your goal is to help someone else in your network. So you literally have a need for pretty much everything that anyone else could possibly supply. And you can't find those opportunities, they're, over the, they're invisible until you start a relationship with somebody. So if you're just looking at what's right in front of you, you miss everything else. And that's why you're not supposed to look at what's in it for you. Even if you're like a selfish, narcissistic sociopath, it's still a better option for you and for everyone else to try and help people in your network because it's more scalable. Does that make sense?
2: And think about how much more you learn about the way the world works when you're always getting in somebody else's world and saying, what do you need? You know, when you when you're in your own head and what your thoughts are is how can you help me? All Mm -hmm. you know is what you already know. You're you're in this echo chamber of your own thoughts. When you get out and say, What's in Brandon's world? What's in Jordan's world? What's in this person's world? I now learn a ton about something that I didn't know anything about, which can only help me in my own business and only help grow my own network. And I can tell Jordan just from the few things you mentioned about agents needing CRMs and real estate being a certain way, but you're not necessarily a real estate guy. You've learned about real estate from talking to real estate guys. You now Mm -hmm. know how to help real estate guys better than if you had not done that. And that's just another perk of when you put other people first in a genuine way, it always ends up benefiting you.
1: Yeah, it, it really does. I think a lot that's lost on a lot of people. They'll go, All right, I, I'm starting to take your course, Jordan, because I have this free sort of networking thing. And they'll go, But I, when do I get to ask what's in it for me? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> anytime. But the fact that you're hung up on this means that you're probably coming across pretty poorly to the people in your network. Because if you're just kind of like it, it would be like dating. And you're talking to somebody that you're really not interested because you want to date their friend. And you're like, so what do you do? And, and they're like, oh, I really love playing the saxophone. And you're looking on your phone. You're like, cool. Um, So what's yep. Shelly up to? Like, what yep. does she like yeah. to do? And they're, and they're like, OK, I get it. You're a jerk. Right. That's what's happening when people are starting to look at what's in it for them. It really is all about trying to help. It's the ABG help as many people as you can. And people go, what happens if I help them and they never help me back? Who cares? Stop keeping score because keeping score is what poisons the well. If I introduce you guys to seven real estate deals and then you're not able to help me. It's it because there's just nothing that you're able to do right then. If I get mad about that, who loses? You got the thing you wanted from me and you're thinking Jordan's great. And I'm like, these guys are jerks. Why? Because you couldn't do anything for me. So I lose. I poison the well. I poison my own relationships. If I don't worry about it, If I don't keep score, then I might give you guys 17 real estate deals. And then one day I'm like, hey, do you guys know anybody who does this and this and this? And you're like, dude, you've made us like 12 million bucks off these deals. I'm going to like have my team do this thing for you because that's the least we can do. And I've had this happen more than you might think. Like I've introduced people who've started a business together and we'll go to a conference and I'll go, oh, you guys know each other? And they'll be like, yeah, you introduced us. And I'll go, oh, that's cool. Uh, for what? And they're like, well, long story short, we started this bike business because you introduced us and we just, uh, we're looking at selling it. And I'm like, what, when was this three years ago? I don't even remember doing this. They're like, yeah, you introduced us we founded a business, we're about to have an exit, let's go out for a steak on us, it's the least we can do. I can call those guys and be like, I need to sleep in your garage for three months, and they'd say yeah. yes, because yeah. I've earned so much referral currency. If I stopped helping them because I couldn't think of what they were gonna do, or I helped them twice and they weren't able to help me back, I would have just poisoned that relationship. Now look, if somebody's asking you for something over and over and over, and then you ask them for something small, and they say no, or they ghost you, maybe there's a boundary issue and they're selfish. Sure, you can stop helping those people. But if somebody just doesn't have the ability to do anything for you, the last thing you should do is cut them off thinking, oh, they're just dead weight. It's just not how it works. If you help 100 people, 90 of them never help you back, but 10% or 1% give you an amazing opportunity it was worth it especially if all you're talking about is introducing people to one another via email or helping somebody with a quick 10 15 minute phone call like the ROI on that is so enormous that you should put money in that slot machine all day
0: yeah, that's so good you know i i feel like we could talk on this on all day long on this but i want to get to a couple other topics that i know you're uh, that you're good at talking about specifically yeah. things like confidence and and when you get into that that uh when you get a seller on the phone or you get a potential mentor at the kitchen table or, you know, at, the, at, a, at a lunch table or whatever, like how you come across as more competent.
5: Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. Transform your lead generation and deal making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com/bp. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com. bp You're trying
4: to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Are you serious about making real profits from your investment properties? Then why are you paying a property manager anywhere from 8 to 25% of your rent? Cut your expenses the savvy way by self-managing your rentals using Rent Ready with flat rate pricing that doesn't cut into your bottom line. You think I'm paying a property manager? Heck no. Get your hands off my cash flow. That's me slapping someone's hand. With RentReady, you can collect rent, screen tenants, track repairs, and manage accounting all from your phone. Are you a BiggerPockets Pro member? Well, guess what? Rent Ready is already included in your membership. Haven't tried it yet? Well, then what the heck are you waiting for, man? We made this possible specifically for you, BiggerPockets Pro member. If you're not a pro, Ready is offering you 50% off their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2023. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2023. That's BP, like bigger pockets, you know, the podcast that you're listening to right now. In the year 2023 to save 50% off of one year of rent ready. Cut your expenses when you use rent ready to manage your rentals. Sign up today at rentready.com and use code BP2023.
0: And we mentioned confidence earlier. You said when you were young, you didn't have, you didn't feel like you had a lot of confidence. So, mm. like, how does somebody appear more confident? Whether they're, again, at a kitchen table, they're on the phone with a motivated seller, they are talking with a mentor, whatever, uh, an agent, how do they appear more confident?
1: Sure. So, of course, the answer to this is always practice, right? But sure. that's not really that useful or actionable other than, hey, go out and get more practice. What I recommend for people to do is, you, in order to be confident in certain situations, you have to build situational confidence in situations that are analogous to that situation. So, you know, you know, like bartenders and servers tend to be really confident when they go out at night. Why? Well, they're in that environment all the time. They work there. They have a lot of reps in the game. So if you don't want to blow it when you're on the phone with a motivated seller or in front of a mentor, you need to have I guess, micro interactions of a similar variety or at least interactions of a similar variety with other people where the stakes are lower. And I find this happens, this is a problem for a lot of folks who are, let's say, shy, bashful, uh, not really feeling that confident. They'll go, I don't want to go to this meeting or this event because I'm not like in the zone and ready to go. So they avoid interacting. They avoid being in the room with these folks or getting on the phone with these folks or whatever it is because they feel like they're going to make a bad impression. But what you need is proximity and you need frequency. So if you're not that confident, I've yet to meet anybody who's not confident among their family and close friends, of course. And so whenever people say like, be yourself, what they're talking about is, and it, it, unfortunately, it's this non-actionable bit of advice where they're like, be the same way you've been with the, those guys that you hang out with and play video games that you've known since you were 10 with this stranger who's a female or, the, or of the opposite sex, a stranger who's in an artificial situation known as a date. Just be the exact same way. It's not possible but let's say that you're very active socially and you have a ton of friends and then you go out on a date. Who do you think's going to do better? The person who's avoiding social interaction all the time or the person that has a ton of friends and a great social network and then happens to go out on a date, right? You're going to see a massive difference in performance there. So for somebody who's not confident in those situations, I would say there are some, here's a drill, actually, this isn't going to make you confident overnight or anything like that, but If you make a list of, let's say, 10 or 15 people that you have lost touch with over the years but that you thought were important to you, so like your college career counselor, your old boss, your friend's dad who was an entrepreneur that was kind of successful, make a list of those people, reach out to them now. Because you don't have an agenda with them. You don't need anything from them. In fact, you can think of it like this. I call it layoff lifelines. Imagine you got laid off your business crumbles tomorrow. Who would? Who's the dozen or two people that you would call and ask for advice or help? Make that list. Reach out to them now. You don't have an agenda. You don't need anything. You're going to find that when you reach out to those people cold, they're usually happy to hear from you, even if some are suspicious because they're like, oh, is this going to be like Herbalife or Scientology or something? You know, once you show them that you don't have that agenda, they're going to open up. As you start getting used to building new relationships with people that you haven't talked to in a while, building relationships that are new with people that you've never talked to is a close and very analogous piece of situational uh, confidence that you'll build. And then when the stakes are high, you'll be like, okay, in low to medium stakes situations, I've done a pretty good job of being confident, keeping up the interaction, putting a good first impression, second impression, third impression off on this. I don't have too much to worry about. Yes, you're still gonna be nervous. Yes, you're still gonna be sweaty. Yes, you're still gonna be like, I hope this goes well. But what you're not gonna be is completely green, inexperienced, and in a straight up panic because yeah. you've built analogous confidence in different situations, or you've built confidence in analogous situations, I should say. That's Does that really make good. sense?
0: Yeah, that's really good. I mean, like, just by being confident, with people that you already know and that it's easy to be confident with. And the more you do that and then start expanding that outward, it sounds like, you know, like like you said, the college professor or whatever, the counselor. Right. You're pushing the edges of that circle. So like, of course
1: you're going to be confident with like your roommate and your spouse and your parents. That's not, the bar's low for that. So you start reaching out to people who like, even if those people are like, why did you call me? I hated you. You are the worst kid I ever advised. Click. You're going to be like, (laughs) pfft. Well, oh. that doesn't affect my life in any way at all, but was totally yeah. weird, right? <laughs> but if, if if you do that, to a, if that happens to a mentor and they're like, dude, you're, this guy's weird as hell, that's bad. That affects your business and your, your life negatively. So what you do is you start off by kicking the rust off, making that list of layoff lifelines, going through those experiences and finding that you're not as big of a weirdo. You know, everybody's glad to hear from you. You're doing a pretty good job. Now you're keeping in touch with them over time. You're building those relationships. Then when it's like, you've got to meet this mentor, the stakes are high. You're going, okay, I can, I can do this. I I've done this sort of before and it was fine. It, it worked out fine. This is also probably going to work out fine.
2: I feel it's, like that's really good practical advice you're giving for, for kind of, edging under the fringe, it's, it mm-hmm. works in everywhere else in life. If you can run a mile and then you, you can't really go much further, you don't try to run four miles and then you just feel like you're a complete failure. You never want to run. You go an extra 5% at the end mm-hmm. of that mile. And, and when you're lifting weights, you increase it tiny incremental bits and that's how you extend. If you're really shy and you're not comfortable meeting people you don't know it's not always the best thing to throw yourself into a network and make yourself talk to every single person there. It's right. going to feel inauthentic. It's going to feel forced. You're better off to to find one person there that you connect with, build a genuine connection, and then kind of reverse engineer and debrief with yourself. Why did that work? Why was I comfortable here? How can I find a similar trait in somebody else and then go practice it again? And I think what you're saying, Jordan, is to slowly extend that circle of your comfort zone by pushing the boundaries, but not just saying, screw it. I'm just going to... Going to go call two hundred people today and pretend like I'm their best friend because they're Mm -hmm. gonna they're gonna see right through that.
1: Totally, yeah, you're you're a hundred percent correct. And another another little piece of this is that when you're talking about like ABG and creating that network and getting those weak and dormant ties back up with the layoff lifelines exercise, that not only builds confidence, but you start to realize that you can. You not only are you able to build relationships with other folks like that. Your value proposition is now starting to become your network and the people that you know. So a lot of folks will go, oh, I can't really do the networking thing because I don't have a lot of money and I I don't have a big business or I only have one property or whatever it is. What use, what value am I going to bring to some heavy hitter? Now it's the people that you know. So I'll get an email from a college kid who's like a junior and they're like, hey, I love your show. I would love to work with you on something. And of course, my immediate thought is like, what is this 17 year old kid going to do? And then the people who are good at this, the kids who really have been paying attention to the Jordan Harbinger show and like taking the six minute networking class that I offer, which has all these drills in it. They're the ones who go, well, I don't know if this would be useful for you. And this is a real example. They go, but my neighbor, or it's like a guy from his gym or something. He's a filmmaker. And when he was making a movie, he discovered a lost city in the jungle using lidar and i was like what and he's like yeah you want an introduction so he made an introduction to that guy he came to the taping because we ended up doing a show with this filmmaker who found this lost city of the jungle in the jungle like using laser it was incredible discoveries one of the most important archaeological discoveries of like the century that this guy made based on like there's a lost gold city like the ridiculous like movie plot type scenario And so now when that guy emails me, this kid emails me for anything, I will get his email and will answer it right away because he's the guy who gave me that hookup. I'm not like, oh, but I think he's like a personal trainer or something in another town. I don't have a whole lot of use for that skill set. He's not leveraging his own skill set. He's leveraging people he knows that are going to be of interest to me. Now he's on my email VIP list that pops onto my phone. So you don't have to be a multimillion dollar real estate investment badass to have a network that's going to be of value to other people. Remember, I'm not looking for what's in your portfolio. I'm looking at what's in the portfolio, so to speak, of everyone that's willing to pick up your call, essentially.
0: That's so good. That's so good. All right, let me go. Let me go. One more specific example or, or question for you. So, in the sure. real estate space, it's very common to do what we call just like real estate meetups, or we even call them Bigger mm. Pockets meetups. Kind of pre-COVID, this was much more common. Now it's you know, hopefully coming back. Yeah, but uh, like I mean, at, at, like during the I would say last if you look at last February, there were probably two hundred different meetup groups of Bigger Pockets members coming together in cities all across the country, happening every single month. Just tons of them. Right? Such a great way to like meet people in your local area from Bigger Pockets. Millions of people online to let's get into our real life people in our real life area to figure this stuff out. It's super valuable. But the problem is a lot of people are scared to go to these events because they're they're going to go there what they're going to do throw out business cards. They feel mm-hmm. weird, they feel uncomfortable. So, for those people listening who as this starts picking back up again and of course people can go look at the upcoming events at biggerpockets.com/events, but as that that picks back up again, how do they go into a setting like that where they don't they don't feel like they have anything to bring to the table? And come away with connections, contacts, people, relationships, uh, you know, goodwill. Yeah, that's a
1: great question. So the key is going back to that ABG, always be giving principle. So yes, when you go there, grab other people's business cards. If you don't feel comfortable handing out your own, fine, don't hand out your own. Grab their contact information. I don't even know if people still use cards, but if they do, cool. Grab (laughs) their contact information. After the event, mail them back. You know, hey, great meeting you. Uh, again, just wondering, like, what are you looking for? What kind of things are you interested in? I'll keep my ear to the ground. Not like, what mm-hmm. can I do for you? Because some people are like, oh, don't worry about it. Yep. You want to go, what are you looking for? What are you interested in? I know a lot of people. Maybe I can introduce you to somebody who might be of use. Almost everybody has an answer to that. Very rarely is someone going to go, I need you to do this you have to offer that up. So you're creating that email. You offer the access to your network and other people that you know. I'll keep my ear to the ground for you, that kind of thing. Then do your best to try and connect people to each other, but don't do it without asking them for permission. So the, this is a crucial bit here. You want to use the double opt-in. So let's say I meet you at an event and then I meet some other guy named Tom at an event. Tom says, yeah, I want to meet real estate investors. I don't go, cool, Brandon meet Tom you're like crap I don't have time for this <laughs> or I've been avoiding Tom because he's a weirdo who like shows up at my door with um, little bits of animals or something like I don't know you maybe you don't <laughs> want to meet Tom so you have to be really careful about that but what happens if I reach out to you and I go hey I met this guy Tom he is a new real estate investor I know that you guys have courses and things like that where should he start I recommended your stuff you might go oh well what sort of asset class is he in or whatever like is he buying duplexes is he buying family properties or is he just buying skyscrapers in manhattan you know i don't know yeah so i might say you know i'm pretty sure he's a residential guy but i'm not sure would you mind if i introduced him to you all i know is he seems to be relatively successful in one area or he's new in this other area and he's new to town you might say yeah sure no problem and then i go to him and i go can i introduce you to brandon he runs bigger pockets and he's got a successful podcast and he teaches you know new and advanced investors how to make the most of their portfolio. He might go, yeah, sure. And then when I have both permission, permission from both parties, I should say, then and only then do I make the connection because otherwise you might already know each other and I'm wasting your time. You might be avoiding each other and now it's awkward and I've put that monkey on your back or you're just really busy. And so then I intro you and you never reply because you're going to Hawaii for two months and you're going to be off the grid. And Tom's like, Hey, that Brandon guy, he didn't even bother friggin' answering. You guys are clowns, right? He might not say that, but he would be thinking it. You need to get that double opt-in. But when you do, the intro will be even more fruitful, generally speaking, because both parties already gave permissions, so they're v- much more likely to reply, and they're going to credit you with that introduction. If I just slap you together on an email, they might forget, you know, y'all might forget but if I ask you first, it signals professionalism, and then I make an intro that's two contacts with you for the same person. So that looks like multiple interactions. You're you're getting all the right signals. Jordan's really professional. He's really respectful of my time. He asked me before connecting me to this person. That way, even if it doesn't work out, you're not like,
0: oh, Jordan's intros always suck. You're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm. I told him he could do that. Him, yeah, I give yeah. Him permission. Yeah. Oh man. So you win some, you lose some. One other, one other tip on there that I I found helpful when people try to make a group, I mean, that is, is so important, but one, uh, one additional is ask how you want me to introduce you to them. Like Mm -hmm. if somebody says, Hey, I want to introduce my buddy, John, uh, he, you know, he's good for this. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Like it. I am I typically don't want a text message from people that I don't no. know because now they got my phone number, right? But sometimes I do want to text and I don't want to go email because I get lost on my email. So like if you ask somebody like, yeah, great, I can introduce you. What's the best way to get in touch, you know, get you guys together? Uh, it's just a little simple thing. Like that just shows that you're thinking about them rather than just trying to make it easy on yourself. And yeah, that's been helpful.
1: You know what? That's a, that's a good, I'm actually writing that down, text or email, okay. because it, I do find it annoying when, like you've got my phone number, but if we met some, if you met some random person at a conference and they were like, "Hey, can I meet Jordan?" and you suddenly gave them my phone number, I'd be oh, like, it, "Hey, be hey did you, did you, yeah. uh, what's <laughs> going on? You stabbed me in the back on that one." Because yep. <laughs> I maybe I don't want to answer texts from people that I don't really know. And now I can't forward it to my assistant anyway because it's on my phone and there's no thread. So I've got to call her and give her background. It's like, how has
0: iPhone not figured out like mark unread or forward? I don't know. Uh,
1: I know. Mark unread, first of all. Hello. And then now I'm taking screenshots of like the whole conversation. I'm sending those to my assistant. (laughs) No.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's frustrating what's interesting about this conversation is that what we're just saying is in general, you could sum it all up, be considerate of others. It's still coming down <laughs> yeah. to quit asking what's best for yourself. You know, yeah. like I'll get people a lot of times that will say, Hey David, like they want to help me. They are trying to get me business. They're saying I just told my friend, he needs to call you. He wants to sell his house and they'll give my number to them, which is great. But Now you're putting the responsibility on friend to call me a stranger who he does not know and probably feels uncomfortable and there's a 10% chance they're going to do it. And what I'll tell him is, why don't you connect us in a text message, send a group text to introduce both of us. It's a warm intro. I can jump right in there. This person won't feel uncomfortable when you do it that way. And I I swear like 90% of people don't think to say, how do you want the intro to be made. Because sometimes I want them to have my contact info. Others, like you said, I I wouldn't want it. But if you were just thinking about other people, how would I want it to be if I was in their shoes? A lot of this stuff would just uh, naturally appear to your own mind. You wouldn't have to say, what am I supposed to do? It's that you're in your own head thinking so much about what you want that you completely miss. Jordan might be a little upset if I give his phone number to a complete stranger who's going to send him 27 text messages in a row that he's not answering.
1: It's I mean, you nailed it right there. And another thing before I forget, because otherwise I will forget systems for the win is after you make the intro set a boomerang, if you use boomerang where your emails pop back in, I use something called superhuman, which is like an email client that has the boomerang features sort of built in. I will boomerang the email for so set a reminder for 30 to 60 days after that intro to bounce that thread back into my inbox and I'll just reply all and I'll say hey how did this shake out and then if one person's like oh I never replied it's a gentle reminder where they can go that was in my spam folder or whatever excuse they want to make up Mm -hmm. and it's fine it doesn't matter but also you'll find like one person right reply and go so I reached out to that guy and he like was a complete freak. I didn't want to say anything, but since you're asking, that guy's a weirdo. I want to know that because that's yeah. damaging my reputation if I keep introducing them to someone. Or they'll come back and go, "Oh yeah, we meant to tell you, we actually ended up starting a bike company and it's launching next <laughs> month. Uh, you know, we've been so busy over there heads down. Thanks so much for that intro." So you build even more referral currency. You kind of put the you pack it in, right? You pack the lid on of that can. And you find out what happened with the intro. Did it go well? Did it bomb? Or did it just not go anywhere because somebody didn't reply? That jump starts the interaction again. And it's not a bother. It's not like, hey, um, Brandon, John told me you never replied. This is weird. And you have to send it to both. And it's like, hey, just checking in. Nobody said anything. And that's if somebody does say, hey, Brandon never replied. You still reply all. Don't reply to the one person and go, hey, John says you never wrote to him. What's up? You know, you want to make sure that that you're kind of responsible for that intro, at least getting as far as those two people getting in touch because somebody might go, oh, I thought you just never made it because I never saw it and then it mm-hmm. turned out to have been in their spam folder the whole time. So you really want to make sure that these these fire and the way you do that is through that 30 to 60 day follow up. You don't have to track hundreds of these, by the way. You're tracking a few dozen. You're just maximizing the value there and people will start to see you as a connector. Then the, the beauty of this comes when people go, hey, Brandon, I want to bug you, but you you seem to know everyone. Do you know anyone who does this, this and this? Now you've got people bringing opportunities for social referral currency, social capital to your inbox. You don't even have to do any work anymore. They're just coming to you and you're going, "Yeah, that's a Tom would be good at that. Mark would be good at that. Let me make those intros right now." Boom boom. So it starts to snowball and you start to get really good at this. And I know people are like, "I'm so busy. This takes me. I've thousands of contacts. It takes me 90 minutes a week." That's yeah. it.
0: That's awesome yeah I, I I love that you said the connector, like the people who just seem to know everybody uh-huh. like that doesn't require a, a ton of skill in real estate. You don't have to have done a single deal in real estate to be a connector in the real estate space. and therefore now you have a massive amount of value that you can provide. so if you're yeah, if you're just somebody who's new, maybe make it your goal to just become a connector instead of trying to you know, pretend that you're a better investor than you really are. Instead, it's just, you know, everybody. But uh, you digging, know, one more, go ahead.
2: Digging that well to build that network is not easy. Just because we're saying once you've got it, you can add a lot of value is true. You still have to be purposeful. Digging wells yeah. is hard work. You know, It becomes like a form of passive income once you have the well, you just dip your bucket in, you come up with water. But if you think this is just going to happen because you went and handed your business cards out at a meetup somewhere, you are gravely mistaken. You actually have to work on your personal growth and becoming the kind of person that people want to help if you want to build that network.
1: It's about consistency. Do it for ten minutes a day. Don't do it. Don't do one day a month where you spend seven hours doing it and you're like, I hate this. It's a grind. It's annoying. Do it in like 10 minutes a day. Send those texts, make those email intros when you're going through it. It literally can take 10 or 15 minutes a day. I call it six minute networking because it takes like four or five minutes, but five minute networking was taken. Right. So I <laughs> I just put it in six minute networking and it really doesn't even take me six minutes on any given day. It's so much faster. And to have the reputation as a connector or a super connector is awesome. And when I think of successful sales guys, there's a couple of different levels, right? Like when a lot of people who aren't in sales think of a successful salesperson, they think of a person who's like really good at applying psychological pressure to close a deal, like a car salesman, a great salesman really doesn't have to do that at all. They have such a high level of trust through repeated interaction, proximity, showcasing expertise, uh, referral currency, that they're able to go and take their calls and take their meetings and take their whatevers in their emails and then hook people up with other folks or other opportunities for them to buy. And they go, all right, well, I trust Brandon. He's done. He's done me right for a long time. So I'm gonna give this deal my top priority. All right, let's do it. You know, and then you just have to what, like, not screw me over. That's a pretty low bar, right? And then I want to give you repeat business. So that's really that's how the most successful salespeople that I know operate. They're not like limited time only. You better call me back right now. I've got another couple right here. They want to sign. Click. Like, that's not what good sales is. It's about having a huge number of relationships that are profitable. That's really what great salespeople are doing. And I know refer, I know real estate agents. Cause I just sold my house. There were some really good ones and there were some really bad ones. And the good ones were like, Hey, Jordan, just checking in. Did you manage to sell your house yet? There's a couple other properties. Are you looking for something new? I'd love to get a chance to find out what you're into. We can either do a call or we can stick to email. Cause anybody who's like, call me tomorrow. I'm like, I'm never oh, calling yeah. you. I don't have time and I don't know you. The worst ones were the ones who out of the blue emailed me a month after they got my contact info and were like, are you looking to sell your house? You'd know that if you'd talk to me for even three seconds. Yes. Call me at this number. Never going to happen. Not doing that. Come to my open house for free cold Starbucks coffee that I bought seven hours ago. No, thanks. (laughs) You know, not doing that. It was the people that like did five minutes of research. And figured out a way to add value that was really, really minor. Those were success. And I was like, this guy probably has a lot of money. And this guy is probably brand new or on his way out of
0: the industry. No oh, man, I think everybody needs to re-listen to that. Whether or not you're an agent, or whether you want to work with wholesalers in the future, whether you want to, you know, work with, you know, it doesn't matter. Like anything in the real estate space, or any just business in general, just being a good person. Uh, go back and rewind that and, and listen to it again. And I do want to bring up a couple of quick points, and then we'll move on to the last segment of the show. First of all, uh, I know David, you are writing a book on or for real estate agents right now. So I don't, do you have any idea when that's being published?
2: Yeah, it's supposed to be out in December.
0: Okay, so anyway, so obviously if you're a real estate agent, make sure you listen to that. I know David, you and I talk a lot about this stuff and I know you. this is why you're a good agent because you understand this stuff. So definitely you guys check that out. What's that book gonna be called? Do you have a name for it yet?
2: Uh, we're still working on the name but it's gonna be the first of a three-part series this is going to be made mm-hmm. for new or inexperienced agents and then the next book is going to be to become a top producer being an agent and then to build a, a team but what's funny is that as I'm listening to Jordan talk I'm thinking I literally put that section in the book I literally <laughs> said this is how you sell you you never try to convince someone to buy a house they don't want to buy that's that high pressure technique that he's talking about you look for people that already want it and then you make that a very smooth easy way for them to get it and stuff like building social capital is literally in there like give 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 so much that when you make a withdrawal it comes from the form of they give you a referral they send you some of the wants to sell their house and i just as i'm listening to you talk jordan i'm like this couldn't have come at a better time you're giving me a very serious stamp of approval on the stuff (laughs) that actually works like the better of a person that you are it's amazing the more success you will probably end up having in life they're very tied together
0: that's cool
1: I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's funny. I see a lot of salespeople that do this stuff wrong, and some of it's just being new to sales. I'm not like, they're idiots. You know, they're, yeah. they're just new to sales. I, I see a lot of people that are in sales that learn from, like, a lot of these—I don't want to mention names, but, like, these shady guru people that only sell— courses on becoming successful, but like aren't real real estate people or are, and just are insufferably horrible people. They're really hard to deal with. And you go, you know, the only type of deal that they're getting is like the desperate person who hates them for having to go through with that deal or, or like the person can't wait to never see them again. So they're never getting any repeat business from anyone. They're thinking short term, good salespeople think long term and long term means long lasting relationship even if you don't quote unquote win on the first round you win long term ideally everyone wins like ideally it's like one of those win-wins where you both win long term but if you're really bad at this you're thinking short term only the longer you stretch out your timeline Mm -hmm. the better career you're going to have and the more people are going to respect you inside the industry. And I think people who think short-term either think this isn't my forever job, I just need to pay the bills, and or they don't have enough self-confidence, speaking of confidence, to do things the right way, so they do things with these weird little shortcuts. It's the difference between somebody who's building a real online business and a quote-unquote internet marketer who just says whatever that works in the sales copy to to make the sale, and then has like a really crappy, hard-to-follow refund policy. Oh, you wanted a refund? Uh, You had to text in from a seven, three, four area code on a Tuesday and you didn't do that. So no refund for you. Like, you know, good companies can stand by their stuff and, and good salespeople and good relationship builders can stand by the intros that they make, the relationships that they have.
0: That's so good. Hey, Jordan, last point before we move on to this one. You mentioned, I don't want to gloss over this because it was so good. You said, rather than that vague question of like, how can I help you? Or like, I want to provide value. What value can Mm -hmm. I provide? Everyone's like, I don't worry about it. Or, you know, I'm fine. Like people ask me that. I always say, I'm I'm actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. But if you ask the question, what are you looking for now, specifically in real estate wise? You could talk if you're talking to a, an investor you want to get closer with. What type of deal you're looking looking for? Or if you're talking with a big business owner, maybe they're a large real estate investor. You know, are you looking for any employees right now? Like, what what are you looking for? That immediately changes the question because I can I can tell you right now what I'm looking for. I'm hiring for like two different internship positions. I'm hiring for like all this stuff. Like, I I have a list of things I'm looking for: mobile home parks of a certain size, professional so anyway, beard trimmer. A professional beard trim. I could use. I had to do
2: my own the other day. It was, yeah. it, was it was You got to have one another. of those like
0: bonsai guys do it. Yeah. You know,
2: yeah. another <laughs> denim shirt. I know. So no, but honestly,
0: I was like, I actually was thinking about hiring like an actual clothing consultant. Cause I'm like, man, these shows get viewed by like tons of people. And I still dress like I shop at the thrift shop. So anyway, is that
1: one of those like stretchy denim shirts. It is. Yeah. Little, I used yeah. to have one of those. It didn't quite yeah. fit me. I'm yeah, a little just, wider than I need to yeah. be for a stretchy denim
0: shirt. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? maybe I'm a little wider. I'm taller, so like my belly button it's shows. A belly shirt? You yeah, everything's a your Belly button's poking out. Exactly. He's got okay. a, a like... BP
2: belly button ring that uh if you catch him at just the right angle, you'll see it. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's where I'm going with this question or these pockets. Thing.
0: I wanted to bring up. Then I want to ask you, Jordan. What are you? like, what are you looking for right now? Like, are you looking for anything in particular, like employee wise or in your your life? Yeah. Like
1: I am always looking for really great stories for the Jordan Harbinger show. You know, I've had an art forger. I've had Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. I've had uh, that guy who discovered the lost city in the jungle, but I also have psychologists. I had a poker player who reads body language and talked about that on the show. So I'm always looking for those unique angles for the Jordan Harbinger show. I know you're coming on the Jordan Harbinger show in a couple of weeks, months, whatever, we got to figure that out. (laughs) Um, I had a kid, so my Life is in complete disarray. I, me too. I gotta.
0: I gotta get. Yeah, it's it's a disaster. But, uh,
1: anyway, <laughs> but I'm looking for those unique stories, and everyone's always like, "Here, cool. Here's like g- guru coach of the day, who's like mm-hmm. du jour who like made his money doing multi level marketing schemes, yep. and like is now an <laughs> influencer." And I'm like, "No, no. I don't want to interview that horrible excuse yep. for a person." Nah, uh-huh. um, some knowledge (laughs) yes exactly so like keep me away from those guys so whenever somebody's like like that personal trainer guy who wrote in and goes yeah this is weird but like this guy discovered the city are you interested i'm like absolutely i'm interested somebody emailed me the other day and said you know i know this guy who he his whole job was tracking stolen art and i was like well, I liked the art forger episode and that's where they got the idea. I go, yeah, find me this guy who tracked stolen art. And he's like, he's retired from the FBI. I don't know if he'll do it. Super fascinating episode. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Yes. I always want to have the guys like Ray Dalio, who's on the show this week. Like, that's great. If you know somebody of that caliber, throw them at me, Jordan at JordanHarbinger.com. But if you just have that neighbor that like used to hunt Nazi war criminals and is now like drinking iced tea on his porch all day. I'm down to hear that story and probably record it. So it, that's, that's hard to find because the self-promoting guys, they're everywhere, but usually I don't necessarily want them unless they're really legit, like a Ray Dalio, Mark Cuban. Yeah. But the, it's the small stories that are incredible where the person doesn't ever think, I should be famous for this, right? Because that's not who they are. Those are awesome. So if people have ideas on that, Jordan at jordanharbinger.com. I always love, I'll take any pitch, you know? I will all I have to do is reply no thanks if it's not a fit.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Man, I need to I need to talk to you about. How get, guys like Ray Dalio, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that was some of its yeah. luck, I'll give you that. Yeah, sure. I I totally believe yeah. it. All right, well, let's let's move on then to the last segment of the show. This is our Famous for all right, moving on to the world famous, famous four. These are the same four questions that we ask every guest every week. Uh, okay. well, the first one, we're gonna alter a little bit. So normally we ask, what's your favorite real estate book? And then we go to business book, but I'm gonna change from real estate book to like basically resource for this type of stuff we're talking about today. Like whether it's a podcast I and mean, besides your sure. own, like, yeah, podcast or it's a book or it's a something. What resource do you have for people?
1: Definitely, so as cornball cliche as it might sound, Everyone's read this. No one seems to be following it. Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence Mm -hmm. people. Yes. His examples are like when I was selling typewriters, like forget (laughs) about that. Okay. But, but when you go in there and you read something like be interested in other people and they'll be interested in you, everyone kind of listens to that, puts it on an Instagram meme and then puts it out and then forgets about it. If you are actually, and I have a lot of practice doing this on the Jordan Harbinger show, obviously I have to be interested in my guests. If you treat people like that, they will think that you're the most interesting person in the Mm -hmm. freaking planet because they'll be like, Jordan is the only person that understands how important, you know, solar power is because that's where they work selling solar panels or selling windmills or something. If you're interested, they will think you are fascinating and they will love you and they will make introductions and they will want to have you over for dinner or whatever. Be interested in other people. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It Read the book and actually just instead of reading the whole thing and going, I did that, just read like one chapter and try to implement a part of it. it it'll yeah. be such a game changer.
0: Yeah, it's so good, Jordan. See what I just yep. did there? Yeah, Used your name. so good. Look at that. Good I read job, it. Jordan. Thanks. Head, pat, <laughs> yeah, head job. pat. Yeah, exactly. Um, what was the awesome. b- the other one's business yeah, book? Yeah, that was the first question. Second one, yeah. Business. Business have book. you
1: have you read this book? It's called What They Don't Teach at Harvard Business School by Mark McCormick. Oh my gosh, it's probably been out of print for like thirty years. So good. It might be a little beginnery. I did read it twenty plus years ago, or no. Yeah, like 10 plus years ago was my most recent reading, probably, or one of my most recent readings. But I remember reading it and going, oh, this would have saved me so much trouble. This guy was the CEO of IMG, like international management group, sports management, something like that. He was a badass agent. He went to Harvard Business School and he wrote a book that was all about things that you just don't learn. in. St- so it's like street smarts, but it's it's from the 90s or something like that, or the late 80s. So good. What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School by Mark McCormick, 1984.
2: Awesome. All right. I'm yeah. it up. All right. Next question. What are some of your hobbies?
1: Uh, I study Mandarin Chinese. I, wow. What else is a hobby? And now that I'm, uh, I Changed used diapers. to love traveling. Pfft. We'll say what? Change diapers. Changing a lot of diapers. Yeah. I do <laughs> walk with my kid around the house and outside. Let's see. I mean, I have a one-year-old, so it's weird to say that it's a hobby, but I do like, you know, I got to get my snuggles in. Mm -hmm. Definitely Mandarin Chinese. Travel is slash was one of my main things. I used to take tours to North Korea. I don't do that anymore, obviously. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to run a tour company that would take Westerners into North Korea. It's illegal now for Americans to do that, so I don't do it anymore. And, you know, you can't go anywhere now anyway. Uh, we can't. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're banned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but those are my main hobbies. Otherwise, man, my job is to read books and talk to smart people. So that kind of hits, kills two birds with one stone. Being my
0: job too. Yeah, awesome. All right, David. Is that the yeah, that was the last question for you. All right, last question for me. All right, I'm paying attention. Question number four. What do you think separates successful, we'll say real estate investors, but anybody, from those who give up? or they fail or they just never get started. You know, I know a
1: lot of people that have tried to get into real estate and almost none of them have succeeded. And I thought that was really strange because my family does real estate investing. They manage properties, we bought and build houses, not a ton, I mean just for us to live in. Yeah. And it's it's not easy, but it's also not super complex, I mm-hmm. guess. You obviously know more about this than I do. No, but it you're seems 100% like a right. lot of Yeah, yeah, I figured it. A lot of people, they get intimidated by the process. And there's also this resistance to coaching that a lot of people have where they go, oh, I'm going to figure it out for myself. And I'm just Mm like, why? Like, I know you want to pat yourself on the back for being self-made. You're still self-made if you sign up for something or pay someone to teach you or read. They're like, I'll read a bunch of books. Okay. But like, I would love for somebody to stop me from making a massive expensive mistake or 10. Mm -hmm. That would have been great. So resistance to coaching. And I'm not just saying that because I know that bigger pockets does that. I'm saying that because I used to train people and I still train people with networking. And like I said, and I only get resistance from either people that are new or low-level beginner and intermediate. I never get people, like I said, the MI6 guys, the high-end salespeople, the C-level executives, they never go, I don't need help networking, junior. They never do that. It's always like the 28-year-old who's like, I do all this naturally. I'm like, cool. That must be so nice. I've never met anyone that does this naturally, and I just got back from the farm in Langley, Virginia, and all those guys. Guys don't do it naturally, but cool that you just graduated from like your local university and that you don't need any help with this. It must be awesome to be you. Those people are are never successful. And it's not just real estate, it's that coachable beginner's mindset that you have to have with anything. Imagine trying to learn Chinese and going, "Uh, let me stop you right there. I'm a pretty smart guy. I don't need to learn this from you. (laughs) Good luck learning Mandarin, dude. You know, like you have to have that. And people, Put up ego walls around certain skill sets and not others. You know, if you're athletic and you know how to lift weights, there's a good chance you're like, I don't need a trainer. I don't need someone to tell me how to lift weights. But if you were going to take Chinese, you'd you'd obviously get a Chinese teacher. So if you're going to learn how to invest, why wouldn't you get a coach? I have coaches for everything and people that I know who are successful They spend like four, the more successful people I know, the most successful people I know, they spend like $4,000 a month on coaching for everything. They have like a trainer and a food person and that's clothing person. And da da, da, da. they have coaches for everything. They want to find coaches for things that probably don't even have coaches exist for that thing. They want to find coaches for that. The beginner intermediate people are always trying to like grind it out for themselves and bang their head against the wall so many times. I know it's the same thing for real estate. Like I've, I know people that have been really self well, self-educated and they do really well and they get coaches and they go to the next level. And I know people that start off and they just fail because it's like, I don't, I don't have money to learn. Okay, cool. Yeah. But you had $300,000 to lose yeah. on a property that didn't go anywhere. Like how does well, that know, work?
0: What's well, so hard in the real estate space. And you've seen this in like internet marketing as well. I'm sure is like, there's so many like coaches out there who like, it's really big in the real estate. It's like $50,000. dollars will train you. One of my buddies paid like, absurd money he got four workbooks that was it just Ugh. four workbooks and so there's like this this problem with the coaching where it's like people hear those stories and they go well i'm not gonna ever pay for coaching and then they go try to figure it all out by themselves just like you know pulling themselves by their bootstraps and then they, yeah. they can't get it there anywhere and it's it's hard to find but there are they do exist people that can actually coach you through that but that actually have done the business they're not just selling you on how to do it without actually having been, been there themselves that's so yeah, it's, it, it's a weird it, line there's a
1: difference between Hiring an internet guru to teach you a skill yep. that is not really a skill. So the difference between, and I've done whole shows on spotting guru scams, but one of the tells is. Am I selling you a lifestyle or am I selling you an actual skill? My Chinese teacher doesn't go, imagine running around (laughs) Beijing and speaking fluently with the natives and, you know, imagine women fawning all over you while you're on a boat. Walking into that board meeting of a
2: Chinese company and destroying (laughs) it and walking out with a $20 million sale because (laughs) you can speak Mandarin.
1: Right. Nobody does. They go, I will teach you how to read and write. It's going to, you know, That we'll read some kids books. But you do it. It's up to you. Yeah. Right. And with the guru thing, so you look at this guy, like he's not like, all right, there's some serious fundamentals you're going to need to master. They're not as complicated as they look. I've simplified everything. If you forget, I've got these easy charts. No, he's like, I'm on the boat. Look at these women with boob jobs. Look, we're going to go do cocaine in my mansion. Check it out. $3,000. Great way. That's what he's doing.
2: You sell the lifestyle. That's the first sign of a scammer. They're appealing to your emotions.
1: A hundred percent. It is. Yes. Because if you're selling skills, which you guys are, you know that a lot of the skills aren't sexy, but you're like, we're going to make it simple enough that you can learn. And you're always going to be able to lean on us. That's like the value proposition for a real skill builder. It, somebody who's a, a, a bullcrapper is going to be like, I never work. I yep. have 7,000 houses and I just lay back in my house in Hawaii and everything's done for me. Like yep. you might dangle that carrot to somebody who's stressed because they have so many deals and they have tons of money, but no time. You might be like, look, I got a ton of time. You don't tell the beginner that they're not going to have to do any work. That is it filtering for a customer that doesn't want to do the work. You guys, from what I've seen ha- are selling, you're going, Hey, look, there's, this is quite a bit of work, but we're going to teach you what you actually have yeah, to do. We'll so you don't get you, we'll ripped off. The process, yeah. That's, yeah. and that's a good value proposition to somebody who's not lazy. So, yeah you got to be careful when you're looking for coaches that you're getting the right kind of coach. And also there should be no pressure. Like a good coach doesn't go. If you pay me a hundred thousand dollars right now, you can get in my inner, inner, inner circle. They just yeah. go take one lesson or two and find out if you like it. You know, the Chinese yeah. teacher doesn't say you have to buy 400 hours from me. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> That's so true.
1: They offer me that ad in lesson 10. They're like, if you buy a year in advance, you know, we'll cut 20% off, but you take the lessons first. There's no false scarcity. There's no urgency. Coaches should always be like that.
2: Yeah. yeah so and to the point that people don't want to pay for coaching because they're above it. When you're paying for coaching, all that you're really doing is paying for concentrated knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. taking someone else who's already gathered all the relevant pieces, put them into a package and giving it to you to save you time. And that is the same thing you do when you read a book and when you listen to a podcast or when you read an article, it's all concentrated knowledge. You could learn Mandarin if you had a thousand years and you just moved to China and just picked it up being around it. You don't have to pay for someone to coach you how to do that. Like Mm -hmm. you could learn real estate investing by just buying a bunch of houses and eventually you'd figure out what to do. Coaching speeds up the learning curve uh, will ultimately save you money in the end if it's the right coach. So I thought that was funny when you said there's people that won't pay for coaching because they say, I'll just read a book. You're just paying for... A a different kind of coaching.
1: Absolutely. Dude, absolutely. Look, there are better ways to learn Mandarin than me learning Chinese over Skype. The best way I can think of to learn Mandarin is to go to a Chinese public school for like 12 years. You yeah. will be so good at Mandarin. Yeah. Oh, you don't have time for that. You can't do that. Well, then you better get a coach on Skype, sucker. There you go. If you want to learn, <laughs> learn over breakfast from San Jose, California, with your teacher in Beijing, you better do this way. You know, like the, I married a Chinese woman and I wasn't learning Chinese. So keep telling me about how you're going to read a book and figure it out for yourself. You know, come on. Yeah.
2: If human beings lived two thousand years, we would never need coaches. We could figure it all out that way. Yeah, but. you got that you vampire go. stamina. <laughs> all right last question of the day jordan thank you for people that want to find out more about you where's the best place for them to go
1: oh my favorite question i run the jordan harbinger show if you're interested in anyone from like i've got kobe bryant malcolm gladwell dennis rodman all the way to the art forger and the F- fbi undercover in the mafia like i got stories and i've got know-how everything is practical i'm also at jordan harbinger on all the socials you can reach me there but if people have
0: questions look, i'm jordan at jordan all right man Appreciate you a ton. This has been a phenomenal episode. So really, really, uh, you know, just glad that you, you know, take the time to do this. So thank you. And uh, I don't know, man. Thanks, David. You want to take us out of here?
2: Yeah, this is David Green for Jordan Harbinger and Brandon Denim T-shirt Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate
4: investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational
2: purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own.